millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Josh Brown, what the hell is Dolby Vision and why is it so bad and yellow? Bad? Yellow? <laughs> what? I knew if I asked you a TV question, you would know the the deal with this thing. And we're going to get into all sorts of things about the wind-up, about the gaming week, about whatever's going on in the gaming industry. But I've been faffing around on the old Xbox, and now Xbox has Dolby Vision, uh, what do you call it, configurations that I turned on. But everything's all yellow and terrible. So I went in all the settings, I turned it all off, I made it all, like, clear... Because all the colors are all yellow and stuff. And when I Googled, why is Dolby Vision yellow? I'm not the only one. There's a lot of people going, what's this? And apparently it's a warm color profile. This, Looks bad. That's an interesting thing. Okay, I know what you mean now. I was so yeah. confused. I was like, assuming it all had like a yellow tint, like you were watching The Simpsons. It did. Or something. I turned it off. I know yeah. what you mean now. Yeah, when because ev- everyone, right, when you calibrate your television properly, they all tell you to put the color tone on yeah. warm. And Insane. that took me... So long to get used to, to the point where like... Oh, did you stick with it? I stuck with it eventually because your eyes do get used to it. But for like months, I was trying and every single time (laughs) I would swap it to it and my brain would just go, no, that looks like, it looks washed out. It looks yellow. It it looks sepia toned. Why would anyone watch it like this? Now, though, I am a warm color palette guy. And when I'm watching a movie, I'll swap it to that. Though, that said, I only have it on warm. For my Xbox. Right. Don't know why I don't have it on the PlayStation, but it seems to I, just work better. I did, my whole thing was just like, yeah, it defaults to it. And like like you said, every time you get lost in all the online settings, like we have, I feel what your TV is. Mine's an LG CX thing. Yes. I, I just threw a, a lot of money at it at the start of the generation. I was like, let me just forget about this. I'll pay my way through this problem and I'll just buy the fancy TV. But then obviously you're getting into a world of settings and the settings per mode. And now Dolby Vision is its own mode, which is different to HDR and game mode. And I was like, oh my God, <laughs> I just want to play Jade Empire in 2023. <laughs> and so it was one of those things where I got lost in that. And then it was like, yeah, put the warm color profile and I'm like no it looks horrible everything looks like you said you had to put up with it for months till your Stockholm syndrome your brain to just going with it I'm not going to do that well annoyingly it's kind of the opposite unsurprisingly Scott Telford I've done a lot of research into this and it's mind blowing how much like televisions are programmed to just be as bright as possible and as Mm. grabby as possible to get you in, especially when you're in the actual shop. But then Mm. you go online and you talk to the so-called experts and they all tell you to change those settings out entirely. (laughs) And to be fair, like, if you do listen to them, you do get a really good natural picture. But it's there's something in our brain I was reading that, like, Mm. kind of attracts to colder colors, at least on, like, a screen. You know, it's kind of like why our phones kind of have that sort of bluish tint to them, mm-hmm. you know, if, if that makes sense. 
So getting over that was really difficult. And even then, I, I still just... kind of have it because I still don't have it on like as warm as the experts again recommend. Crazy. I dude, I mean, I, I you know me. I've got a Photoshop brain. Like, if, if if white isn't white, if white is yellow, then what the hell are we? Do- I can't even begin for that to be the norm. So at the, at the minute, I might as well just have because I still don't even know what Dolby Vision is. Like yeah. HDR, I get is a wider uh, contrast gamut essentially. But like Dolby Vision, what what was that? But he's he is the rub, right? You say there, if if white isn't white and white is yellow, but yeah. then that's not true. It's just how our brains are perceiving it in the moment because it's whiter than white and it's a slightly different shade of white than is natural. In you natural, can't get shades of white on the television, you obviously can because you've got the different bloody hues, haven't you? You know what I mean? So you can change the hues of that white <laughs> to be brighter or colder or warmer all of that but stuff it, oh, is something mm. you, you can lose a weekend to uh, and it is it, it hurts and there's no I, way to explain it without coming across like a stark raving lunatic <laughs> on a podcast like this well it's either white is like purely white if it's not if it's not that it's gray or it's light blue or it's light yellow or whatever like it's not I, but there still needs to be like a true white for it to yeah. be like to be like completely white. And then, yeah, like this doesn't let me have that. So I was just like, well, at some point in my head when I'm calibrating this, it won't, the, whatever game I'm playing won't be able to display actual white. So then I just <laughs> turn that off. I just, this is just what my day was the other day, trying to figure out like, what the hell is this new thing that Xbox, I don't know how long Dolby Vision's been part of Xbox, but I don't think it's that long because usually when I go in the display settings, um, I just have everything ticked. It's all just on because it's all optional. The the game, the console will calibrate it per game or whatever. So I just leave all that stuff on. And then when I went to just have a look at that the other day, there was a new one saying Dolby Vision and it wasn't turned on. So I flicked it on, everything went yellow. I felt horrible. And then I turned it all off and I just was like, okay. Why? You know what? Normally, I'd like uh, I'd, I'd maybe act incredulous at the fact that you do something different to me. But with television settings, I totally mm. get it. They are a minefield, and I'm not even going to touch that Dolby Vision. For one, I don't even know if my television supports it properly. <laughs> uh, and two, I feel like I've spent four years of my life getting my HDR settings to where I kind of want them to be, and I mm. can't touch it anymore. You know what I mean? I can't do the thing that I was doing with Final Fantasy 16, where I was swapping between. Between HDR and non-HDR to get mm-hmm. slightly different gradients of colour that was coming through the telly, have some things pop more than others, or wonder if that scene is supposed to be as dark as it is, or is it supposed to be brighter? <laughs> is it more natural? <laughs> is it flat? Is it dynamic? What's going on? Oh, dude, I it's a unique like one percent, no point one percent problem with the modern age, but I I despise that headspace. I absolutely hate the thing where you just want to watch the thing or play the thing, and you're back and forth out of the settings. I just this was like another wrinkle to that that I thought was done. Like you said, I also spent ages getting my HDR stuff sorted, and then for them to add another wrinkle in, and then also like I'm not gonna keep going on about it, but it was just one of those things where like every little vision mode is its own set of settings, and I just want it to work. Can can someone else not just do this for me? I don't want to do it. Well, your problem is, in my opinion. Trying yeah. all of this out with Jade Empire. Like, why? Why Jade <laughs> Empire, man? Like, I know, obviously, those older Xbox games have that kind of auto HDR enabled. Yes. But I don't necessarily trust that compared to, you know, HDR that has been curated and is game specific. So no, I get, you know, trying what you just mentioned on, on a Final Fantasy or something. Mm-hmm. But going back to Jade Empire <laughs> and be like, this is the game I need to figure out. That's funny. The thing is, though, like, the Xbox has a built-in HDR app thing. Yeah. So it does. It's you're not in-game when you're tweaking that stuff. But then 
the Dolby Vision is a separate setup. You just sort of put it on. It's not, as far as I know, there's not a Dolby app. Maybe there is now. Um, but you, there's an HDR one that you bring up and it, it brings up like a comparison thing and you try and calibrate it to that. I just hate it. I hate all the calibration. I hate all of it. I don't want it. I like that I've actually um, managed to transfer this same mentality to cinema going now because we mm. recently um, at the Audion near us got Dolby screens, which uh, okay. apparently boast like really good HDR. So I went to see Barbie in <laughs> Dolby Vision in all the way right. through. I might as well have been in the uh, settings uh, setting in my mind thinking like, what is different here? What, how, gonna, uh, is that's... this brighter? Is it darker? Is the, are the colors popping more? Asking all yeah. those same questions. But instead of in my flat, in the luxury of a cinema, which I think is, I don't, don't like that this is infecting every part of my no. life, but it makes sense that it is. I don't, I don't know if it does. I don't know if this is the end times. I just don't. Why? I don't want to get lost in a, a sea of settings every time I just want to play a video game or a watch a movie or whatever it is. The fact that you've had to think that when you're just at the cinema with the experts, the fact that it was remotely a thing, it just it makes everything a digital foundry video. And I love digital foundry, but I don't want to have to do that every <laughs> single time. That's just the thing that uh, I just got lost. I just thought I posed that question. I feel like Dolby Vision just sort of snuck up on us. I feel like a lot of people talk about HDR and Dolby Vision has been doing the rounds for a while. But yeah. I just don't know how much it's a marketing tool how much it's just their label going like oh it's an extra vision mode and it's like well, what does it actually do other than just be default yellow and then like you said the whole the experts are all like oh no warm profiles where it's at I'm like it's really not lads because then you don't have, you can't there's no white anymore everything's hey, yellow no it won't be though you've got to give yourself time to adjust just please uh, try it for a month like it's going to look horrible at first it's going to look horrible at first because you're just used to something else you know what I mean it's like if you change the settings on your um, laptop or your phone right now like it'll take right. a little while to adjust but see if it does for you because it did for me eventually it's just like it's just, just something to get used to just something to get used to this I will feels agree, psychotic to, it, to, it, to do it uh, this long to till it, it's settled till you give up trying to do the normal thing it really does trying to figure out hdr generally is is crazy like mm. every single time i buy a game i feel like i have to google if the hdr is working for that game <laughs> Because, you know, something like Resident Evil 4, people were questioning the HDR as soon as that dropped. Red Dead Redemption 2 famously mm. launched with broken HDR. And I hate the fact I that, like, every... <laughs> <laughs> hate the fact that every game drops and you kind of... It's another thing to Google, right? You not only have to get, like, the best settings for it, but you have to figure out if it works at all at launch, if it's working I as intended. You know, if someone sort of like showed me like an image and just said like, oh, which one's the HDR image and which one's the one that has just has contrast on it? Yeah. I think I would be like, I, I don't, I don't know. I just sort of like HDR comes on on the TV and tells me and I go, oh, that's got a bit more depth to it. And then I just sort of go like, cool, can I push the buttons and kill the things yet? Or ah, what? See, like, I this, just, I don't know. This is why I do stick with it because when HDR is good, I find it's just magnificent. I'm playing through mm. GTA 5 now. Uh, mm -hmm. the remastered version with HDR on in like the Los Santos sunsets are incredible <laughs> you know that game it can be gorgeous yeah. pops it looks amazing I think most of the Sony first party games get HDR uh, so right so it's like mm -hmm. because the games that get it right to me like look so much better it makes mm -hmm. the faffing worthwhile but yeah sometimes you kind of just have to take a step back and think, is this worth it? I'm, I'm kind of ruining the experience for myself. I could just be playing it and having a good time. It's true. Speaking of taking a step back and ruining things, or, think, or realizing things are bad, and um, we're going to cover a few different video games. If we have time, we'll dive into some news talking points as well, because this is the wind-up. I didn't even say that before, but I'm Scott Tilford. That's Josh Brown. Hello, Scott Tilford.
diving in too much to the old Dolby, uh, the effect of Dolby on my life. It's not Thomas Dolby, it's Dolby Vision. Anyway, that's a reference for about three people. The game I've been playing through, alongside many other things, is Atlas Fallen, a game that I've also deleted because it's just that bad. Wow. Um, the game, the next one from Deck 13, the dudes that did the original Lords of the Fallen, which is interesting as a point in time because... This is a weird thing where Deck 13 made Lords of the Fallen and then they didn't necessarily want to do the sequel. They broke off and did, uh, did uh, Atlas Fallen. Um, and then the Lords of the Fallen sequel was given to Hexworks um, to just sort of sequelize that. Or Hexworks was the publisher, one of the two. Um, but they still wanted another Lords of the Fallen, but it's not the original devs. I didn't realize that until like a couple of months ago or a couple yeah. of weeks ago even at this point. Um, and then going like, well, cool, I like Lords of the Fallen. I thought I had some really cool ideas for combat and everything. I'll go into Atlas Fallen. That'll be fun because it's that dev team. It's not fun. It's terrible. It sucks. <laughs> it's one of the most rote, boring, horribly written, MCU quippy, derivative things you could possibly get. It's kind of like Forspoken. It plays better, um, but not by very much. It also has the same setup as Forspoken. But I've tried, or had tried, three times to play this and just kept falling asleep. It's that boring. It's that rote. Um, and at the end of it, I just ended up giving up on it. I was like, I, I put about an hour and a half into it, but wow. it's just the, some of the most boring mission design. And we didn't get given a code either. I spent my hard-earned cash on this thing, um, hence why I'm so annoyed by it, because I can't get a refund. I was looking into the Sony refund thing, going, oh, if I haven't played enough of it, can I get a refund? No, you can't. Oh, the you only- bought it digitally. Yeah, yeah, like an absolute moron. Ooh. I thought I'll just get it because, it's, well, it's that dev. It can't be that bad. It looks really good. No, it didn't. And so I'm just stuck with it. Now I've deleted it, so it's just a tile on my screen. That's it, interesting just before I jump into the game itself. Like, it's interesting yeah. that you say it, that you had the trust in those devs. And I don't want yeah. to slag those devs off by any means, but it's interesting <laughs> that you looked at The Lords of the Fallen, famously a very 6 out of 10 game. Always like that game. And then trusted them with um, their next title. I think that's interesting well, itself, because it's not like, again, all due respect to those developers, I'm sure there's mm. a bunch of talented people there, not not writing off Lords of the Fallen at all, but compared to, you know, a kind of surefire bet, you know, mm. like an annoy dog, a, you know, a rock star or whatever, you, what, you know? It was more about, it was a mix of things, because it was like reading about their own history across the, across the dev period of making Atlas Fallen, splitting off from what was originally their IP in 2014, doing their own thing, and sort of t- them sort of taking this gamble on like, oh, we're leaving this, uh, this game series behind, we're going to give it to a different dev, or have it taken off us, or whatever the hell that thing was, that resulted in the next Lords of the Fallen not being by them. I wanted to support the fact that they were then launching this new IP, this sort of Atlas Fallen thing. Plus, in the run-up to it, it looked like Prince of Persia meets Darksiders meets Immortals Phoenix Rising. Like, they're all great (laughs) things that should have been awesome. And I deliberately didn't watch that many trailers for it because I was like, well... Well, they can't F this up. Like, it's just a cool open world action platformer. Um, but then it's full of boring, arbitrary crafting systems and they go talk to three NPCs before you can move on. And it just, the combat's horrible and just, bleh, everything about it is just completely off-playing. Oh, man. Um, but still, like I said, my heart was in the right place. I wanted to support this dev team with a new IP um, and, you know, and taking their shot kind of thing. But it's one of those things where they've taken such a safe shot that they've like modeled it on every single, um, you know, trope that we're all very much sick of at this point. And this is a game that is made for a reality where we're not tired of the MCU and we're not tired of superhero landings and we're not tired of quips or like the idea of finding a gauntlet that talks to you which obviously Forspoken already killed this year so it's weird that it came back around and we've had two of that same setup in the same year but both are done the same way and are both incredibly boring. Well this is it man, You, it's kind of similar to my journey with the game because a few months ago when I kind of only knew about it from uh, the text write-ups I was really mm. excited about it because I thought wow a, a big open world 
action RPG. That sounds really fun. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. down for that. It's a, like you said, it's kind of a smaller dev. I want that to be good. I want to support that. But then the more I saw of it as I was watching those trailers, I think I mentioned um, it when we talked about August's most anticipated games. Like it just yes. looked like something that was chasing those trends just from the color palette, just from the level design and the uh, artistic design that it was kind mm-hmm. of pushing with. It did look forespoken adjacent. It had that mix of um, sci-fi and open world desert design that I just don't like <laughs> at all. And right. I know that's a huge personal thing, but that's very in right now. So I thought if they're following the trends in that regard, mm-hmm. they're probably, like you said, playing it safe with the gameplay as well. And it kind of sounds like they are, which is, which is a shame because you want it to be good do you think you would go back to it like if you paid less money <sighs> for it like the thing is no not really it's it's just that it's so bad it's not like badly made each one of those tick boxes is you've ticked the box like you know like open world mission design um the loot system whatever the most like enticing thing is the combat because there are some cool ideas here and um, there are things like you have like a combo meter that builds up and resets your air dash so if you stay in the air long enough you can just keep staying in the air and zip between all these different targets um, and take people out that way you also have different um, sets of abilities that you're equipping to what is it I think it's like a momentum meter it's ostensibly like a big rage meter thing and so as you um, let that go up you're unlocking your other move sets so it's like you kind of want to you know play things safe to, uh, to some degree and then do a big move and that, that takes a chunk out of that bar um, you know, which is also alongside the momentum thing that I mentioned before. So, you're, they, and there are specific moves for like, you know, launches and slam downs, like you're sort of like making a point of going up into the air and doing this stuff. And there's a universal counter. So it's like, if you get the timing right, it'll tell you, um, you know, based on the hood and stuff, what's about to attack you. So you can sort of like juggle a bunch of enemies, all this stuff going in and out of, of the air and going around and everything. It's just way too sluggish for its own goods. Like the amount of different things that it has there are really, really cool. Um, but it's just it just doesn't feel that satisfying to play, um, and it's just one of those things where we're, we're literally talking about the feel of melee, the feel of countering, the you know the feel of yeah. comboing things. Um, it just doesn't have much of a flow to it, and they have too many uh, AI patterns where too many enemies interrupt your combo, interrupt the thing that you've triggered, the cool move that you've triggered or whatever it is, and you just get knocked out of it or you get hit from behind or whatever it is. Um, and it just you know it's like go find the three shards to upgrade your jump, and I'm like I'm just not going to do that, lads. Like it's 2020. <laughs> three um, for me to just get this and then an assumption of a better response time for this basic move that I already want to have um, it's just it's like you had a really cool combat idea at the, the heart of it and then it was atomized out and it was mm. made beige by well let's make this part of it this part of the script writing chase the MCU stuff let's make this stuff chase open world tropes let's make this bit chase what destiny might be if it was offline um, something like that and it just ends up being this kind of what Forspoken was just this horrible sort of let's throw darts at what works type game design and I can see them taking their shot. I know I've talked for about 20 minutes now, but I can ah. see them taking their shot. Um, you know, when you see like a band who has like one big album and they sort of go, right, this is it, guys. If we just do an album of big bangers, this is the one that gets us to the festivals and everything right. else. And they water it down and, and along the same way. Trivium's done it twice over. Um, <laughs> and just like, they just keep doing, and now Trivium on a good even keel, but they've done it twice over where they uh, try to do big sort of anthems and they fall apart. I feel like this is them doing their big big rock album after Lords of the Fallen was almost like, not an indie success, but it had its fans. Like, it was enough of a little thing that sort of ticked over. Ironically, and, yeah. it really does sound like they've done their anthem, huh? You know? The <laughs> game anthem, hey, hey. I know. And so now it's just, it is in that category of just, I mean, that's the thing. I've deleted it. I'm glad they've got my money. I guess that's the thing. Even though I try to get a refund, ultimately I am glad that that <laughs> dev has my money because I can't do anything about it. 
Um, but I'm not going to be playing any more of it. It's one of the worst things I've played this year. If oh not the worst, words. because I oh haven't played, I haven't words. played Gollum, I haven't played Redfall, so it just has Let to. It's the worst thing then. I've played. Yeah. Is it worse than uh, your experience with Wanted Dead? <laughs> I'd probably rather play Wanted Dead. To wow. be honest. And I oh, hated that, is, that, that thing. You hated bit, that. At least you can shoot dudes in that, and it's like you can do those cool sort of like choreographed moves for the finishers. Yeah. At least there's something that made you smile in that game, or at least yeah. there's something that feels executed to the right degree of what they're going for. This feels like corporate game design 101 in the same way that Forspoken did. Um, minus the combat. The combat's the most promising thing. It's just that also that feels pretty sluggish. I'm going very hard on this, but it's mainly because I'm annoyed that I. I dropped 50 pounds on it and it's not remotely you know worthwhile but like i said i support new ip so i'm gonna throw the money at it and then get annoyed about it anyway you're a uh you got you got a twisted mind scott Gilford, <laughs> but i can see where you're coming from and I do think i'm like a is. dark souls npc where i'm just sort of like rambling on and then laughing to myself that I've, I've done some good but i'm also doomed by it no this is painful to hear because i do know how much you were looking forward to this game and i thought it was going to be like a lovely little scott game that you were able to like love and then shout about on the channel and sing its praises <laughs> and i was hoping it would be a game you convinced me to play so it's it's disappointing to hear especially yeah. that it's of the same ilk as a false token which you also yeah. bought and played earlier this yeah. year what is it with you in these games man the new ip i've got it i've got to put the money in i can't be the guy who's like hating the the lack of new things and then True. when new thing comes along i don't put the money up so i've got to do it um but i reserve the right to be completely honest about it on the other side and Absolutely. so it's yeah it's one of those. I've still got the Forspoken Steelbook. I traded the regular version in, but that thing is a relic. I'm keeping a hold of that for future generations. I guess what you can hope for in a situation like this, because you can't get rid of it, and there are, are a bunch of great, well, hopefully great games, and certainly mm. big games coming out at the end of the year, maybe when all of those have died down, and it's like January, <laughs> February 2024, you might return to Atlas Fallen and think... You know what? In a, in, a, in a fresh new year, with a fresh new lick of paint, perhaps, and a few patches, maybe there's something there, but maybe, it is, it's maybe nothing they... worse than that like instant remorse that you can't do anything about it, right? I've not had no. that in a long time. Maybe since thing uh, as well. Resi 3 or something. Sorry, another thing as well is that it's it's very buggy from the, the very, very first area. Like, the sky itself was like a giant shard. that had like, It was like a shader they had on the sky that was glitching out. So it was just this big shard coming right down into the ground that would, almost if it was on, like, a rocker, like, it would just go back and forth, almost like it had physics to it. So I was like, as I moved the camera, it would, like, jolt and then settle again and move and then settle again. And I was like, this is the first thing I'm seeing in this game. Like, Ooh. did you play test it at all? Like, just what the hell? So yeah, it's uh, I've gone very hard on Atlas Fallen there, but I think um, you should also go very hard on what's happening with Modern Warfare and Call of Duty. Oh yeah, man, I've, I've got back into um, Modern Warfare 2 and Warzone over the past week or so. I just kind of wanted a, a palate cleanser, I suppose. Mm. I wanted a bit of mindless multiplayer fun while listening mm. to a few podcasts, because I hey. do allow that. Um, <laughs> so I got back into that game, and, and Warzone right now is really fun, I think. It's got a nice balance to it. Like mm -hmm. I don't necessarily love the Snoop Dogg and Nicki Minaj skins, but I also don't hate <laughs> The Snoop Dogg and Nicki Minaj skins, if they were free, I would use them. I'm not going to they come pay. with voice packs? Um, oh, good question. I'm not sure. They may okay. do. I'd hope so. I remember so. when Snoop Dogg was in True Crime and he came with a little voice pack. I'd like to think he's got one here. I think yeah. only the Snoop Dogg one's available now. And it's like, right. yeah, like I said, it's something silly that if it didn't cost 20 quid, I'd probably use. But the fact is that these, these character packs, man, are insane for Call of Duty. Like, you're looking at 16 pounds, 20 pounds for... It's not just the skin. Admittedly, you get, like, weapon skins and you get charms and stuff. But they oh, are yay. priced to a ridiculous degree, I think. <laughs> uh, 
So I haven't indulged in any of that, but I think the game's in a good state. But I wanted to talk about it because I think Activision is in such a strange place right now because we are, at the time of recording, two days away from mm. the um, Modern Warfare 3 reveal event in Warzone. They have announced that the game is coming this year, made by Sledgehammer Games. It's the follow-up to last year's Modern Warfare 2. And mm. why this is noteworthy is because it seems like this is a game that started out as... DLC, like that was what all the reports from reliable people like Jason Schreier earlier this year and into last year were suggesting. And it seems that somewhere along the way, Activision has made the decision to change this DLC into mm. a full-blown sequel. And that has a bunch of implications. One, the fact that they think they can kind of just get away with this, you know, charging for what was ostensibly DLC. And you can kind of tell that it was DLC because they've confirmed that all of the weapons from Modern Warfare 2 are going to cross over. All of the skins you bought are going to cross over. And allegedly, according to a report in a rumor from this morning, all of the base maps might just be remasters of the original Modern Warfare 2. Yeah, that's doing the rounds. So there's a lot of confusion over what this game even is. There is going to be a campaign mode. There's rumors that there's going to be zombies as well. But it's the fact that it's made by Sledgehammer Games, I think that's really um, telling. Because I feel like, although Activision still say that Call of Duty is on a three-year, three-dev cycle, like that's just not been the case for years at this point. Infinity Ward has managed to get three years. Um, Treyarch for their next game will have gotten four but it feels like every other one is an all hands on deck affair where they're just scrambling to get something out and i thought this year would be the year where they kind of felt that they didn't have to do that with the microsoft deal on the horizon and with modern warfare 2 you know doing reasonably well like i didn't expect this to happen so I'm, i'm all eyes are on this reveal because i just if if they can get away with this they can get away with selling you anything, I think. Well, that's the thing, right? They're at this weird point, like you said, in time kind of thing, where like there's something else doing the rounds, and I forget who said this, but there's a quote doing the rounds in regards to this reveal event that it's going to be the end of an era, that either the reveal event or Modern Warfare 3, whatever it turns into, is the end of an era, and that it'll change Call of Duty going forward. And then there's a lot of people sort of speculating, like, oh, is it going to become a fundamentally free-to-play model? Is it just going to be more rooted or more bolted to a couple-of-year turnaround model rather than every year or something? That's one thing for me, like what the hell could be the end of an era thing? Um, and then two is just like you said the Microsoft Xbox side of things which like you know we're still waiting for that deal to like fully go through I'm pretty sure the UK are yet to approve it that was meant to be uh, this month so maybe maybe by the end of this month Um, but that'll be something I mean Phil Spencer talked about like uh, addressing the turnaround and how how much they've uh, you know had so many Call of Duties and they would they would look into addressing that and everything what do you think the end of an era thing is and what do you think did they think that they're shuffling everything together to sort of make this deal happen and get the value set out there for the shareholders and everything else and then once that done you relax it entirely and you just you actually do maybe one game every five years or something i think um and i'm not the first person to say this i saw a lot of people suggesting this on the reddit as well but Mm. i think like they will turn call of duty into a platform rather than have Mm. a new game every single year because since modern warfare one in 2019 i don't think the yearly turnaround has even been helpful for call of duty yeah they sell a lot of physical discs and yeah like the core game still sells well enough but it just has started to cannibalize itself especially with warzone already being this platform that incorporates all of these different releases it just kind of feels like you have seasonal content for each call of duty game and that runs right up to the release of you know the next one in a in a year's time and 
Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Before we go any further, I want to talk to you about today's sponsor, Masterclass. With the amount of time we spend discussing and analyzing video games on this channel, it's always good to understand exactly how these experiences are put together. And fortunately for me, I can do just that with Masterclass. With Masterclass's streaming service, you can learn from the best to become your best, studying and growing with over 200 plus of the world's leading instructors. For me, I've been having a blast using a class on video game design by The Sims creator Will Wright to find out exactly how game mechanics are designed around player psychology as well as learning how important playtesting is to shipping the titles that you and I both love. But it hasn't stopped there, as I've also been brushing up on my practical filmmaking skills directly from my favourite movie director Martin Scorsese, as well as trying to get back in the cooking game with Roy Choi's amazing course on intuitive cooking. Seriously, my kitchen is a mess, but my belly has never been more grateful. For just $10 a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to courses on your phone, computer, smart TV, or even via audio-only modes. Even better, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, and 88% of members feel that the service has made a positive impact on their lives. And to put the cherry on top of that cake, right now, What Culture Gaming listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com forward slash gaming. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash gaming. What's that? You want it one more time? Well, that's the URL masterclass.com forward slash gaming. Right, now I'm going to watch Tony Hawk try to teach me how to ollie properly. I'll see you all soon. Mm. That kind of seems like an archaic model, especially when you look at Activision's other games, Activision Blizzard's other games. You know, Diablo 4 obviously just released, but that is probably being envisioned as a, you know, 10-year experience, right? Until mm. we get a Diablo 5. Overwatch obviously is a platform. You know, they have these platforms already, and there's only really Call of Duty that gets this annualized release. And I think if you've got Warzone already, if you've got the multiplayer, why not just... If you, if you boot up Modern Warfare 2 right now, it mm -hmm. looks already like it's just a service. You know what I mean? Yeah. You have the little plugins for MW2, for Warzone, for DMZ and whatnot. It's already got the style of a regular service game. And if you've already got all 10 of your developers working on 
every game every year you're practically already there i'm not saying i would like this by the way i like that each kind of sub-series has their own identity and that a Treyarch game is different from an infinity ward game but mm. if like just the reality is they're practically doing this right now the three-year turnaround obviously isn't working as intended if they're pulling Treyarch out every time to you know <laughs> salvage this game do a zombies for that game help us make it make a ranked mode you know what i mean it yeah, feels like doing Activision, zombies again yeah, oh, well, yeah, man. Ugh. It just feels like Activision is already edging them towards just having all hands on deck, make this a service, work on this part, work on that part, and we'll update it every year rather than release a new game every year. I tell you what, I actually really would like this. I remember when um, was it? I think they started doing it with Modern Warfare, 2019's Modern Warfare, where it was you could pick and choose what you wanted to install, and it was all the different yeah. like packs. It was like multiplayer pack one, two, three, um, spec ops pack, whatever, and you can just customize it. And I was like, sweet. To me, Call of Duty is like sometimes it's a campaign if it reviews well. For the vast majority, it's like a handful of maps and just an M4. It's like one weapon, and I just jump in there. I do a handful of casual games, and I'm done. I don't need anything, anything else. So I would just install just the multiplayer. I I think if they rebrand it if, it, if the end of an era thing is that they're ditching the idea of like, you know, like uh, annual sort of like rollouts, campaign rollouts and things like that and different character models, different um, character teasers, story teasers and stuff and just do the association of Call of Duty is on Game Pass and it's just called Call of Duty yeah. and you click on it and then you pick what you want to download. There's a selection of campaigns, there's a selection of uh, multiplayer suites or whatever and you just install what you want and it's almost like an a la carte thing of the last, whatever it is, almost 20 years now of Call of Duty yeah. uh, or more than that at this point. Um, if that's what it is and you just get that if you have Game Pass, I wonder if that's what you do and then you free all those devs up to be like, do you want to do a campaign pack? Do you want to do a multiplayer yeah. pack? Do you want to do a spec ops pack? Do you actually want to leave all together Raven and do something else? Because that would be cool. Um, you know, I wonder if that's how you solve that problem and then the release cycle is just whatever it needs to be and it ticks over regardless. It does feel like it's like the last holdout. Like I said, you look at mm. all of the other big online shooters right now and they are just a platform. They are one game that mm -hmm. gets content drops, you know, your Destiny 2s, your PUBGs, your uh, Fortnites, your whatevers, they all adopt that model. And Call of Duty is kind of trying to do it both ways. It adopts yep. that model with Warzone, like I said, but I think it's been so attached to how much money they get from those launches every year that they haven't committed fully. But maybe with the Microsoft deal, they are able to kind of take that step back, realize that, you know, pushing a Call of Duty out every year um, is actually harming the brand overall. And while you might get that bump in sales every year, maybe a more dedicated player base who plays for longer and obviously to them buys more microtransactions <laughs> is, is maybe more lucrative. I won't be surprised if we see Call of Duty do that. And I won't be surprised if we see other franchises like um, EA Football Club 23 eventually God, yeah. become a platform rather than a yearly release. Because I mean, that already has little excuse to be a yearly release other than the mm -hmm. fact that other sports games do it. Uh, so I kind of, I don't know, it does sort of seem like the well, future. And again, it's not necessarily a future I would love, but mm -hmm. it, if you look at the wider economic business sense of it, it, it definitely tracks. I think it depends how much you're getting for that unit cost. Like if you're if you're not getting what feels like a full game's worth for your 50, 60 pounds spent every year, like if that unit cost isn't reciprocated, then maybe it is more worthwhile to just get the Game Pass subscription to get the monthly subscription thing. And then you just plug it, you buy the skins, you do whatever you want. I'm sure across the last few years, the Call of Duty's microtransaction spending has massively outsold its unit cost at this yeah. point. 
Like it's it's way way higher. So I wonder if at some point they're just like, let's just give you more of the free base game, free quote unquote, like as long as you have one of the services for it, um, and then we just rely on the microtransactions. Because I mean, the fact that they have the the goal to do sixteen to twenty pound per character skin yeah. is very indicative of where the market is at for that stuff. Like, yeah, we can bulk at it and say like that's horrific, like it just that's stupid, like that's ridiculous. But it's clearly selling. I mean, our own beloved Dan Durkin buys all the Fortnite skins, Listen. and so like that's just kind of where we've got to. I'm slagging it off, but I've bought one or two of those, especially oh. during the pandemic when I was just looking for dopamine hits where I could find them. But we were all ill during the yeah. pandemic. That's, <laughs> we're not going to continue that. I was buying those skins, and I can't deny that I was looking, like I said, the Snoop Dogg <laughs> skins out. There were a few other skins in the store at the oh. weekend where I was thinking, I got some COD points. It won't cost me that much. That's how they get you, right? <laughs> and the fact that Warzone is already free to play, you know, that's also its whole a whole other thing it makes me wonder whether they would just make the core call of duty multiplayer free to play alongside it kind of like how halo mm. infinite did it you know where they charge for the campaign but the multiplayer was free to play and they use that as the platform like call of duty could do that it kind of already does do that i don't that was, think... it was free on game pass for infinite it wasn't like free to play altogether yes was, sorry yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Still, to a certain extent, though, it's still, you know, it, encourage, it encourages people to get on a service. Oh, totally. To, to that yeah. extent, you know, whether it's Game Pass or whether whether it's like maybe Activision would introduce their own kind of version, right? You know, pay five a month, you get access to all of Call of Duty multiplayer. Oh, you know what God, I mean? Oh, God, they will. They, they could They'll do They'll do COD just, Plus or something. Yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly that. You've got GTA Plus. <laughs> they're obviously going to be looking at that thinking, why don't we have COD Plus? You know, why don't we have more ways to monetize oh, this God. service we're pumping out? The only reason why I don't think they will go all in on this maybe anytime soon is because where did we start with this new Scott Telford? We started with them turning a premium expansion into a full-priced game, you know? They are still after that money. They are still after that yearly release schedule, at least right now. So that's mm-hmm. the only thing. I think I think their greed might stop them from making it a platform um, in the short term. But it, uh, if, it, if, it's that, if that's a long-term plan, it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, I can't imagine the amount of moving parts behind the scenes right now. Like the amount of different conversations that are happening that must just be impossible to have. Like what culture is part of a wider network with future, obviously, as you know. But like the amount of conversations that we struggle to have with the people directly above us, let alone you being one of the developers who's part of a, um, a platform team that's part of a wider brand team. Like just trying to get all those parts in one direction um, and then seeing the likes of Redfall as an example of when it goes wrong. Yeah. Like um, I think they're going to pivot into something else. Like, I mean, they have to be with the whole end of an era thing. Um, but you want to imagine it's in the best interests of Xbox, but how much that goes back and forward is a whole other thing. This is full-on speculation, and if you are a developer for any of these companies, I would love for you to prove me wrong, but my like <laughs> worst-case assumption for Modern Warfare 3 is, does this not step on an Infinity Ward's like toes you know Mm. they had three years to make the original modern warfare reboot it was really well received then they had three years to make modern warfare 2 and now suddenly another studio is coming in making modern warfare 3 a year after and kind of changing what they started like Mm. that it's not disrespectful but i know if say if i was the creative lead i would probably be looking at activision like what the hell guys like (laughs) obviously it's fine for the other studios to do whatever they want but surely we've earned the right to make a Modern Warfare 3. Like, what's going on there? That just seems yeah, to be a, a strange situation to put those developers in, because it's not Sledgehammer's fault they've been asked to do this. You know, Activision no. is ultimately in charge. It's not like they're going, you know, we want to do Modern Warfare. Well, again, I assume, I doubt they're saying, you know, we want to take this off Infinity Ward. We want to do that. It's probably mm. coming from the top down, but it's just a strange situation to be in. 
I just think that the Modern Warfare branding at this point is like a shell of what it used to be. I mean, like the uh, like Modern Warfare 1 and 2 were like seismic releases, like in 2008 or 2009, whatever it was. 2007, 2009. Like, that was a huge, huge, huge thing that like ruptured the entire industry. Everyone tried to play catch-up for years after, etc. When Modern Warfare came back, 2019's, I would still say, is the best Call of Duty of them all in terms of how it plays. Like, I love that thing. But the campaign was kind of just bolted on. It was only like three hours long or something. Um, if that. Um, and then Modern Warfare 2 was like the least I've played one of the Call of Duties in probably 10 or 10 years or so. Um, I didn't even play the campaign. I just yeah. just just didn't feel like it mattered at all. It was just this weird like, like deluxe DLC add-on thing. And then now it's like Modern Warfare in name only. Um, and Modern Warfare to me optically kind of still feels like that 2019 platform with other stuff being plugged into it. And I felt like they were pretending that Modern Warfare 2 was its own thing. It just felt like it was a graphic added on. Like here's Ghost, we're doing it again. It didn't really feel like much. And it was like the campaign's kind of there if you want on it but we're not really advertising it whatever and then now it's like well it's a dlc pack and we're calling it modern warfare 3 and then i guess we'll find out like you said on friday um what the main thing actually is but i don't they're not remotely the same anymore obviously the climates are different for what the the the, um environments that they're releasing into you can't do modern warfare 1 as it was in the 2000s again but i just feel like it is just a name at this point and it's like we might as we might as well just call it modern warfare 3 and whatever was going to be that main release maybe that's just its own thing anyway that's it, right? I mean, I, I really do love Modern Warfare 2. I know a lot of the fan base weren't necessarily on board with a lot of the changes that were made. Fortunately, mm-hmm. they gelled with me. Like, I probably played it as much as 2019's game, if not more. Mm-hmm. You know, it, to me, it was a big release, but I can totally see what you're saying there, especially with them just scrambling for a Modern Warfare 3 only a year after the previous launch. And mm-hmm. I think it's really funny, you know, I've seen a lot of people online pointing out that this is the same trajectory that occurred with the original series where you had Modern Warfare 1 made by Infinity Ward, Modern Warfare 2 made by Infinity Ward. Then obviously they had that whole thing where uh, the two leads of the studio had the big clash with Activision. They went off to make Respawn. And then it was Sledgehammer and Raven and a bunch of other teams Mm. that kind of came in to help cobble together in Modern Warfare 3. And how has that happened again? How are we in the (laughs) same situation? Like, history just repeats itself. Yeah, 3 was the one that, like, people gave up on as well. Like, that was what was always oh, too many of these yeah. kind of things. Like, I remember me and all my housemates, it was only, like, one of the five of us that I never got. I've still never played Modern Warfare 3, the original Modern Warfare 3. That was the one where I was, like, too many of these, too fast, I don't, I don't need it. And then, like you said, history kind of repeats again. And it's, like, it's the thing that they're sort of pushing together to make, to form this, like, hole for it um, just feels so nakedly, like, it's so last minute. It's a teaser trailer for now. It's very little. And I just, like I said, I imagine the conversations that are happening over there are just people's heads on fire running around the office going like how the hell do we make this work yeah. we have the reveal event in two days and we have a full premium price point in another few months well I was I, I was joking to my friends when I was playing it the other day when we were on Warzone I was saying like you can tell the games Activision doesn't really have much faith in or doesn't really care mm. about because they'll announce them in Warzone you know what I mean <laughs> they'll announce them at the end of August with a few months to go and then that'll be the lot Look at how they marketed MWT, which was like a way bigger thing where they were like, right, okay, we need to get out early. This is Modern Warfare. We'll actually push this one. Whereas it's Modern Warfare 3. It's like, okay, we'll do an in-game event. Like I was talking to that pal and he's not like a hardcore gamer by any means, but he was, 
He only knew Modern Warfare 3 was happening because he booted up Warzone and there's a banner at the top and he was like, when See, the hell that, did they announce that, you know? I think that is, that's fascinating because I think they're only doing that because that's what Fortnite does. And I think they're doing that to try and get the, the more casual audience in there. The person who is way more likely to have at least one game of, of Warzone than they are to check a video game website, to check video game YouTube channels um, or whatever it is. I think they know that they need to have a fresh batch of people to churn through the machine rather than the people who are tired of it on the other end that are about to step off and say, I've just been playing for the last five, six years in a more uh, hardcore mentality. I'm kind of done for a bit. Mm. They need that wider group in to churn them over and then I just think that goes and goes but I think that's very much them going like we've got a Fortnite we've got a live platform we can do stuff through it they've done a yeah. few live events in there before um, let's do it that way and let's ensnare the casual fan and get them to tell everyone else that it's like oh a, li a live event's happening guys you probably want to put make sure you're playing so you catch the next one you're probably right you know get them in make them buy the Snoop Dogg skin get them into uh, the reveal event and get them pre-ordering Modern Warfare 3 is probably their yep. entire uh, Plan and don't look into it. Don't look into what you're actually getting. It's yeah. Modern Warfare 3? Cool. <laughs> right, how much am I paying? Let's, let's go for it. Yeah, don't exactly. worry about it. Like, yeah, you wouldn't know that it, that it allegedly started off as a uh, D DLC, would you, right now? No. Like, unless you were following... They're not going to say that. These, no, they're certainly not going to say that. Unless you were, like, following these channels or you were looking at Jason Schreier's reporting or whatever. So they can mm -hmm. absolutely get away with it and they will try to get away with it. It's just... <laughs> um, it's, it's just it just feels crazy that's happening so soon and I wonder if this would have happened had the Microsoft deal gone through like would they mm. have felt the need to release a premium game this year or would they have just allowed it to be DLC and allow modern warfare to continue there's a lot of ifs and a lot of buts, buts there mm. but it's uh, it's fascinating the timeline we're living in right now yeah, I think especially for us, like having been having been with COD since the very beginning, like I mean, like for me, it's like playing Medal of Honor, and then that when Call of Duty came up as the competitor, and now it's overtaken it and everything else, and then seeing how far they've gone with it. Um, yeah, watching it all kind of unfold, I imagine just because of the uh, nature of game development that all these ideas were in motion like far. I mean, the thing is, I was going to say far before the deal came about, but at this point, the deal's been on the table for over a year, so like maybe. Um, yeah, I'm interested what the whole end of an era thing is, and I guess we'll see what the next the next era of COD is going to be. Um, but there's so many variables to it. And then, like, for me, the most interesting bit is the Xbox oversight, just saying, like, well, we need to lock this stuff down. We need to make the... What was their, what was their buying price? Like, 70 billion or something stupid? Yeah, around there, yeah. Some insane amount of money that, like, Phil Spencer's like, we're not going to change anything. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I'm like, you clearly are, because that's why you spent that much money. Like, the small island's worth of money on it. So I want to know what that stuff is. That's the most fascinating bit me. Definitely, man. You know, it's funny you mentioned there about like you know these uh, these games are obviously built years in advance. These plans yeah. are not just made on the fly. But at the same time, Call of Duty <laughs> for the past five years has been defined by chaos. Like Call of Duty Cold War, um, Black Ops Cold War was allegedly a game that was going to be co-developed by Raven and um, Sledgehammer, I think it was. Mm -hmm. And then allegedly again, they couldn't get on, so Treyarch had to come in, salvage it, make it a Black Ops game when it wasn't supposed to be a Black Ops yeah. game. Something similar is happening now. What the hell happened with them? Um, obviously, the knock-on effect of Cold War would have impacted Sledgehammer's next game, which was uh, Call of Duty Vanguard. So you've had all of oh these kind God, of last-minute... Yeah, exactly, right? You've had all of these last-minute changes, all of these last-minute decisions happening on this franchise for so long that I kind of... I struggle to to um, accept that they have a long-term plan anymore because every release seems to be down to the wire. It seems to be um, encountering these massive overhauls every other year, and that's just... Like, Microsoft's got to do something. That's not a healthy way to do business, surely. <laughs>
Next up, I'm realizing that we've done 42 minutes, Josh Brown. What? We've flown through this podcast. Uh, the wind-up. I should probably say that we didn't do a wind-up yesterday because I was a little bit ill, but I'm better today. That's why the, the podcast will be arriving on shores a day later. Um, but one thing we were going to talk about, and we will more in the future, is GTA 5. Yes. Well, first off, I think it's hilarious. I wish the people could see the docket that we had for this podcast because <laughs> if this is all we've got through in 42 minutes, our initial plan would be like a three-hour podcast, but we'll get to I all blame that Dolby Vision. Point. I blame Dolby <laughs> vision from the top to the bottom but yeah um, over the weekend over last week i suppose i finally started to play gta remastered like i mentioned at the start of the <laughs> podcast because obviously i can't i don't know if you know this scott but we're coming up on our on the 10th anniversary of oh, gta 5 which sickening. is shocking it's sickening it makes me feel ill <laughs> and i kind of realized how little time i had to play it because um the anniversary which is i think the 17th of september overlaps mm-hmm. with the release of Starfield on the 6th and a bunch of other games that are coming out on the end of August. So I kind of had a panic and thought, if I'm going to play the game, I'm going to play it now. Had to buy it again, which broke me. I've oh. already paid for this game on the 360, on the PS4, and then it charged uh, me again on the PS5 because it's a full-on remaster, which I couldn't believe. I forgot about that, yeah. Yeah, but it was thankfully worth it, in my opinion, because I think the remaster is actually really really good it's one of the most next gen feeling games i've played in okay. terms of its use of the haptics in terms of the graphics options the lighting that i mentioned i think it's a really good overhaul job and mm. um it turns out and we'll talk about this more in september because we do have a lot of content planned and a lot of podcasts uh, planned to commemorate its 10th anniversary <laughs> but it <laughs> turns do. out Pay tribute to how long we've been doing this. Literally. Yeah. It turns out GTA 5 is a really good game, and it's even better than I thought it was, and I'm <laughs> loving every second of it. Man, I'll, t- I'll say this uh, without spoiling too much. Um, mm-hmm. Red Dead Redemption 2 has rewired my brain. Okay. Because I'm playing through GTA 5 in a completely different way to how I did in um, 2013, where I was treating mm-hmm. it more as a game to be blitzed through, if that makes sense. Whereas this time around, I'm playing it like I'm playing RDR2, where I'm living in this world. I'm role-playing as the characters. And the game is set up to accommodate that way more than I remember. Oh, yeah. That has been a, a total joy. I always knew that was in there, but like... Normally, I would just switch to Trevor and have, you know, a lot of chaos going on and just enjoy that element. But this time, mm-hmm. I'm role-playing as Franklin. I'm role-playing as Michael. I'm enjoying the relationships that they have with their family and friends that I didn't even encounter the first time around. And I realized, and this might break your mind. I don't know if you did mm-hmm. this. I did barely any of the side missions first time around. You know the question marks that pop up? It's because it was 10 years ago and because I really hated GTA 5. I right. don't remember, but I remember them being there, but I couldn't tell. Actually, no, I remember that you do one with Trevor where you track down all the, um, it's like shots of, it's paparazzi stuff and you go and find like all these pictures for these this couple. It's like an elderly couple. Well, I've not gotten I to that, that yet, but I imagine there is one. Yeah, there's a lot of papi- paparazzi stuff in there, actually. Mm-hmm. You do stuff with uh, Franklin, I think stuff with Michael as well. But yeah, all mm-hmm. of that stuff. I'd, I dabbled originally, but realized I probably didn't get past like a couple of them. Like a couple of them I remembered in a few. I just had no idea what they were. Mm-hmm. So there's so much more to the game than I remember there being. I'm doing all of the therapy sessions with Michael this time around. Oh, yeah, around. definitely. All of mm-hmm. that extra stuff that I kind of just skimmed past because I realized that when I played it initially, um, I blitzed through it. And then two weeks later, GTA Online dropped. And that's what mm-hmm. I spent most of my time doing over the next six years or so. Like I never touched the single player again, never finished it 100%. So... <laughs> I was, I'm a GTA Online guy, so that's what I remember mostly. So there's so right. much of the campaign that has, is, is so fresh 
which mm -hmm. is a, which is really cool. GTA Five is hilarious because that's that's like I mean we're gonna do a whole podcast on obviously it's been ten years we'll probably get some guests on we're gonna talk about where our gaming lives were or where our lives were ten years ago um, and what GTA was like at the time because it's easy to forget how much of a big milestone it was like GTA Five was like I mean RDR Two obviously has its fans it was a, it was a big enough deal but it wasn't GTA Five like that thing was you know like midnight launch queues down the street in my case um, for Blockbuster long may she rest and um, in terms of when like um, you know that whole launch period and everything. But it's one of those things where, yeah, there's so much to talk about. I, like I said, didn't gel with that game at all. Like I mentioned that whole idea of bands going for it at the beginning of the podcast. That's what GTA 5 felt like to me. It was like an old bloated thing getting back to the roots and doing it in quite an embarrassing way, I thought. But um, and over the years, I've tried it a few more times. I would like to go back through it again before we do the proper podcast. So I'll see if I can squeeze it in. Um, but yeah, one of the most fascinating Rockstar releases, especially now when all that team have now left. Yeah, I mean, I think you should play it again just to see what you think about it. Because I actually... Mm. I actually do think you did a great piece that you mentioned before on like how RDR2's narrative kind of stands in as like a meta narrative for like the death of Rockstar and that they Thank aren't you. um you know they aren't the studio they used to be. It's kind of like their last hurrah, the dying. I fully believe it's Dan Hauser's final words, yeah. Absolutely. But what I what surprised me was I got so much of that in GTA five so far, mm. especially in Michael's character, who is literally this old retired mobster who has all of the success has all of this money has the on paper perfect family and yet he's unhappy he's dissatisfied <laughs> and he has to come out of retirement and kind of show the younger generation which is like the standard for franklin and whatnot kind of mm. how to do it and i expected True. gta 5's humor and story to be cringe 10 years on and for it to be that kind of you know lazy archetypal sort of quote-unquote satire but it had so much more to say than i thought it would mm. and it was so much more mature than i expected it to be obviously still a lot of jokes that don't land and stuff but just mm -hmm. it had so much more in common with red dead redemption 2 story and characters that i ever expected and that's kind of been a delight also just realizing that it was like an xbox 360 game like this <laughs> is a game that came out months after the last of us like you mm -hmm. know what i mean before the ps4 was even a thing that we could have in our hands and that's Wow, a lot has happened in 10 years, put it that way. Do you, I mean, it's, it, that's the thing, you can, you can compare like the original 2013 Last of Us with that Last of Us Part 1 remake on PS5, and then the original GTA 5 or 360 or PS3 with that remaster version on PS5 as well, or the new systems, and just how far, like, I mean, the guts of them, like the bulk of it carries over. It's all like kind of, you know, tweaks and things that make it work for like the modern audience, but it's such a testament to how much they got right. Um, that, that's a much wider conversation, which I've seen do the rounds before about like, was the last um, major milestone in gaming 2013, and we've all just been living in repeats of the ideas that arrived then all the way forward like um i think that's an interesting conversation as well but we'll do all that stuff in the future um i might dabble in gta 5 i don't know i feel like i do it every few weeks i get the itch and then i scratch it by downloading it again i feel like i've done the opening few hours of that game about 10 times but i couldn't tell you the rest of the story or anything um but we'll see that'll be something that we do in um september i think you said it was for the 10-year thing yeah um for now though this has been the wind-up i've been scott tilford that's been josh brown always a pleasure scott tilford Always a pleasure to be heard by all of you, and we'll catch you throughout the week. Goodbye. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. 
Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.